Well, hey guys, it's Cloud on the New Vision Podcast. And today, if you're listening to this when it comes out, is the last, we say last episode in this mini, a short mini series that we've been doing talking about leadership. Hopefully you've been sticking along with us. Now, I know for some of you listening, it may be years after when this has come out and someone has directed you to that through the leadership webpage or someone at your workplace sent this to you. Whatever it is, we're glad you're with us. But if you're joining us live, this is the last. It's Friday when it's coming out. And we're ultimately, we said that the whole purpose of this is that we're complementing our book study through First and Second Samuel. And so it's been like loosely attached to looking at a character study of David, a character study of Saul and kind of comparing and contrasting that. And so we're talking, we've been talking about leadership, all these different kind of categories that we see uh, how, how scripture tells us what leaders should look like. And so we've seen leaders remain close to God. Leaders are also followers. Leaders care about people and leaders are courageous. And we have Pastor Greg Freeman with us. Hey, Cloud. And Pastor Philip Robinson. Hello, Cloud. Hello, Greg. And so, <laughs> so today we're going to be going into this last one talking about forgiveness, a, a huge part of being a leader. Yeah, thanks, Cloud. So as you said, over the course of these podcasts, we've seen some key characteristics uh, of leadership. And, you know, one of the things that has stood out is that leadership is ultimately about people and it's about the people who are being led. And so sometimes there's a mindset that an effective leader is, is isolated. He or she is tough. They're alone and they're making the hard decisions. But what we have seen is that the real driver behind effective leadership is focusing on God first and then caring for people. And so part of caring for people is recognizing that everyone makes mistakes. We mm -hmm. could all agree with that. Good leaders then are willing to forgive when people ask for forgiveness. Now, forgiving isn't always easy, but it's gracious and a constant reminder of how we as believers uh, have not earned our forgiveness, but have been given forgiveness by God. But the thing is that leaders are human too. And so that means we make mistakes as well. It may be harder than giving forgiveness is asking for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. uh, as we look at Saul uh, versus David, as we've been doing, we see that's an important aspect of, of godly leadership. And we start with Saul, who was unforgiving. So in 1 Samuel 14, Saul makes an oath uh, as he's at war. And unbeknownst to his son, Jonathan, Saul said that nobody's going to eat until until he avenges his enemies and not knowing about that oath the bible says the israelites were in distress that day because of the oath and then jonathan ate some honey and so saul responded in verse 44 of 1 samuel 14 with uh, saul declared to him may god punish me and do so severely if you do not die jonathan we've talked about this a couple of times jonathan is paul's son yeah so <laughs> so may i be punished if you don't die yeah that's crazy my mm. son that's a tough one yeah, so that's a daddy issue. <laughs> that's a that's a hard thing right there, Saul. And so we've talked about chapter 15. Pastor Brady spoke to it. Saul violated the Lord's commands by keeping some livestock and, and valuables, as well as a king um, from the Amalekites, uh, despite being told by God to destroy everything, to keep nothing. And so first, as we saw in verse 15, Saul tried to explain everything away. I, I did what I was supposed to do. I, I I was fine. Finally, in verse 24, Saul says, uh, Saul answered Samuel, I have sinned. I have transgressed the Lord's command and your words because I was afraid of the people. I obeyed them. It's like, it's like their fault. So it's on them. Yeah. And so, um, okay, finally, he, he finally confesses to it. But he really wasn't confessing, mm -hmm. right? He wasn't really seeking forgiveness. In verse 30, uh, Saul says, I have sinned. Please honor me now before the elders of my people <laughs> and before Israel come back with me so I can bow and worship to the Lord your God. There was no repentance. Yeah. Right? There's yeah. no contrition. Lacked heart. 
Yeah, that was. No, okay. Yeah, that was wrong. Can, can you go back and do this worship with me? Like, can you help me out? I'm yeah. still afraid of these people. And it's, yeah. your, and it's your God, yeah. not our yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. And so by contrast, I mean, we know that David was fully human, and he had a lot of need for repentance along the way. Uh, but he was genuinely repentant, but he was also willing to forgive to forgive others. And when he was confronted with his sin with Bathsheba, this is how David responds in 2 Samuel 2, 13. David responded, I have sinned against the Lord. He understood what he mm. did was wrong mm. uh, after he was told, you are that man. Now, towards the end of his life, David took a census of his troops. In 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 21, it says that Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census of Israel. And that sounds a little bit strange to us. But in the in the day... Uh, you were only allowed to count what belonged to you, and Israel did not belong to David. So for him to, to count oh, all of the soldiers okay. of Israel was a violation of God's command. So uh, this is what the Bible says in, in verse 10. David's conscience troubled him after he had taken a census of the troops. He said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I've done. Now, Lord, because I've been very foolish, please take away your servant's guilt. And that's is it, true. Is repentance. it almost like he's kind of tooting his own horn when he does that census? Like, these are mine. Like, yeah, okay. absolutely. Look, we had 800,000 Israelites, another 500,000. Look what! Uh, look gotcha. at the army I've built. Impressive. Right? Yeah. 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 How about that? And counting on the men and the number of them versus relying totally on God. Instead of God's... Exactly. So that's why it's a sin for him as leader. Right. To, okay. Right. Gotcha. And, you know, uh, Chronicle says Satan caused him to do it. Uh, in Second Samuel, it says God caused him to do it. Mm-hmm. When, you know, God doesn't cause anybody to sin, but he allowed right. the sin to happen because that wasn't David's heart. For the purpose of testing his yeah. character, not for... But tempting. we see his repentance shine through. Another great example of that, even as David falls, that's where we benefit. But also he had uh, a chance to take some revenge on Saul. In First Samuel, he chose not to do that. Maybe not quite forgiveness, but neither is it taking full advantage. Uh, in First Samuel 26, verse 11, David had an opportunity to kill Saul. Remember, Saul had been regularly trying to kill David, right? So you can almost argue it was self-defense. Yeah. But David chose not to do it. He says, however, as the Lord is my witness, I will never lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. Man. So we just see a different type of graciousness. Yeah. Well, forgiveness and grace are so closely related. Different so sort of graciousness. And in the exactly. New Testament, you see that same concept of vengeance is mine. I will right. repay, says the says Lord. The Lord. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's Thank letting you. God, he's telling him, telling God on him. Yeah. 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 All right, so. God's it, better at it than we are. It's kind of everything. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. yeah, that's a good leadership point to remember. Yeah, God's better at everything. <laughs> if you've been around New Vision for any amount of time, You've probably, hey, you've probably met Philip Robinson, and he knows your name. Just yes. so feel free to <laughs> the urban him, legend grows. Test him on that, yeah. Uh, but you've probably heard his incredible story of forgiveness, or the story that involves uh, Philip. And so we are excited to have him with us. Philip, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then, if you will, just kind of tack on just a touch of that story. Okay. Well, um, I'm a lifelong Rutherford County resident, and uh, first half of my vocational. Uh, life was spent in small independent grocery stores that uh, my dad and my uncle owned. And uh, and when uh, in 1999, when those stores were ending the end of their uh, their run, uh, New Vision was looking for someone to serve in the edu- education, adult discipleship, and outreach. And uh, church took a a gamble, I think, and and uh, calling a washed up retailer uh, to serve here at the church. But I had been part of New Vision since its inception. Yeah, uh, gambled and won. 
<laughs> so well, the church was what, 10 years old at that point or 12 years uh, old? Yeah, 99, 88, 11. Okay. Yeah. I had served in most every volunteer position, leadership position as as a layperson here at New Visions from 1988 to 1999 and then came on staff in 1999, uh, adult education and, uh, and outreach. Led to uh, becoming missions pastor and um, working with benevolence, member care is kind of where my job has evolved to now. Yeah, been around. And the, uh, uh, I guess the forgiveness story that brings me to this podcast today began in 1986 when my dad was murdered at one of his grocery stores in a robbery, um, 1986, November the 14th of 1986. And then the story that eventually the man who killed him and I wrote together, uh, Forgiveness in the First Degree, uh, took several decades to work through. Uh, and in that, I talk about my wrestle with forgiveness and, and God being gracious and giving me some time to do that, even though I knew the scriptures about forgiveness. And yeah. what's amazing about that is not, it's not just forgiveness, like merely there's also reconciliation. I mean, you and Ron are close and right. Yeah. Not only wrote a book together, but like do life together. Yeah. I'm, I'm headed up there to visit with him in, uh, in about a week or so. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Philip, this wasn't on the questions we put down to ask, but if we think about the story between you and Ron, we really see both sides of this coin. Right. It's you true know. biblical forgiveness. Yeah, your yeah. willingness to forgive and Ron's willingness to ask for forgiveness. Right, exactly. That's that's when reconciliation and the full circle of forgiveness can happen. Uh, but we're still called to forgive no matter what, based mm. on how Jesus teaches, uh, just because it's good for us. And we aren't in control of how the person responds to our willingness to forgive. Yeah. So let's push on that a little bit. Uh, as a leader, right? Because mm -hmm. we're talking about leadership. How do you navigate that situation where someone you work with is is clearly wrong, but they're not willing to seek forgiveness? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go back to grace. You know, grace is how we start in our relationship with Jesus, and it's how we continue. It's what sustains us. And um, being able to demonstrate grace to people and let things go uh, is really mm -hmm. the, uh, I find it's the key to my having a healthy emotional life and really spiritual life as well. I'm, um, I'm working on these four statements that I think are the epitome of, of humility. And because it takes humility to... Uh, give someone grace who hasn't asked for it, mm -hmm. right? It's, uh, I need you and you need me. I make mistakes and you make mistakes. I don't have all the answers, but I have some, same as you, let's share. And I'm not God and neither are you. Mm. Uh, let's admit that we're human and seek God together. That's good. That's a great dialogue starter. Yes. If people are willing to engage. Yeah, I can. I've actually prefaced a, a hard conversation with that as a preamble. Yeah. And it works. It worked that time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, kind of lowers some barriers. Yeah. In that, yeah. in that, doesn't it? Now, you've been a part of senior leadership here at New Vision for a while. Uh, as a leader, how and when do you approach forgiving those who who serve for you or serve with you? Well, you just have to be brave enough to enter into the conversation. And uh, 
it may be easier for people to uh, talk to me about those hard issues because there is the book that's out there and they know my story and uh, they know that I've forgiven the person that through God and his spirit in me, mm-hmm. I've forgiven the person that killed my dad. So that kind of is a great starting place, yeah. isn't it? But we're all called to forgive and we mm-hmm. all have forgiveness stories. I, I try to diminish the uh, let's, com- let's compare forgiveness stories because there are much greater forgiveness stories out there than mine. Mm-hmm. But you cannot do life with another broken human being without needing to forgive or be forgiven. That's what those statements that I just shared about what humility looks like is, I think, is such a key. You said something, you said through God mm-hmm. in that. And as we've gone through these different episodes, whether it's leading courageously or, or staying close to the Lord or caring for people, every one of our guests has talked about through the strength of, of God, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So how do you... Uh, call upon that or how maybe did you specifically as you were going through that process and i know it was a a lengthy one yeah right yeah. not a uh, flip of a switch right yeah uh, lewis smeds in his book the art of forgiving says the deeper the hurt the longer it takes to forgive so sure. i find great comfort in the fact that god was gracious once again that word giving me time and allowing me to wrestle with him and myself over all those forgiveness scriptures that we mm. find in the bible so now I'm having our time. Remember what your question was. <laughs> so good. How did you? How do you call upon the strength of the Lord? Oh, to, okay. To get into that. Well, um, <laughs> if you start with humility, then you have uh, God with us, Jesus Emmanuel, mm. that He humbled Himself. So, uh, Philippians chapter two is a great place uh, to say, "How did Jesus model humility?" Well, He came from the glory of heaven, suited up as a human being and walked among us and died on a cross with people spitting at him and torturing him. But ultimately God forsakenness was what he endured on our behalf so that we wouldn't have to. So you look at the life of Jesus and it's a matter of surrendering. It's, it's, uh, is this about me or is this about God and seeing that there's a much bigger story going on than just me. When we hold on to unforgiveness, the story is about us. When we embrace forgiveness, the story takes a much larger narrative. It becomes about God. Mm, That's good. So I was thinking, you know, a lot of the, I'd say the context of a lot of people listening to this, these episodes, many of them are in the workplace and we're talking about leaders. So in their minds, they're thinking boss, right? How would you give advice to someone who's, you know, hearing this and they're like, well, that's great for you all. Y'all work in a church. I'm sure y'all and your, your coworkers that work at church, you know, you're forgiving and asking forgiveness all the time and you're all are super spiritual. What would you say to someone who maybe doesn't even have a, a mature to say the least Christian boss or whatever, or, or someone who's just not, they're not there. Like, so, I mean, you can't even have these conversations. What would your advice be to someone in those situations? Well, I mean, you're look if you're dealing with a non-believer and someone who doesn't even believe that we're created in the image of God, there's such a disconnect there, but we're called to bridge that gap. And uh, I can see that going in, in different directions. It's certainly not easy, but uh, prayerfully seeking how 
you know, it became real popular, the What Would Jesus Do movement. But oh, yeah. how, how did, you know, how would Jesus approach this situation? Mm-hmm. How did he deal with the people who were opposed to him? He spoke truth. He spoke it in love. He asked questions. You know, he led with a question. Um, uh, the thing that I've, it's, this is hard for me because I'm, I'm not a, I don't, I'm a conflict avoider, mm. but being able to enter into that conversation courageously and have the, have that conversation and speak from your heart about what you're feeling. You know, when you're sharing your feelings, how you feel about something, no one can disagree with you because that's exactly how you feel. Yeah, that's so a good point. it starts with truth. There's a, don't a there's another great three statements that I'm trying to live my life toward. It's uh, feel my feelings, tell the truth about them, and trust God with mm, the outcome. Good. Yeah, you made me think. Anytime this, the forgiveness conversation comes up, it makes me like want to just remind folks, like myself included. You know, we're we're called you. You're supposed to forgive, right? That's kind of a command in scripture. Yeah. But there's this whole other thing of probably not the best idea to go up to your boss or or your employee or something who may or may not be a believer and say like, I forgive you. And it's like yeah. this condescending thing. Like the person's what, like, well, what, wait, what did I do? Like, you, know, what? <laughs> you know, even in my forgiving Ron Hammer, the guy that killed my dad, it, it was it stayed just with me until he wrote a letter, mm. you know, so you're really freeing yourself up. And it may not necessarily always end in a conversation with the person, but it's the fact that you're willing to diminish yourself to say, this is not about me. I'm going to surrender this. I've heard it said that when you hold unforgiveness, it's like drinking poison. Mm. You're trying to kill somebody else, but you're the one drinking the poison. So being able to just let it go and, and not make it such a big deal. Now, if it continues to be an ongoing problem, obviously you either find you you work or address it or yeah. you find a way yeah yeah and and trusting God with the outcome may result in you having to find new work but then that'd be something God had for you wouldn't it if you're really walking with Him yeah. totally dependent and needy on Him not just because your feelings are hurt or whatever but yeah. because it's actually what yeah. God wanted yeah because yeah. you see that in, in Scripture all the time how He uses evil people to affect His plan to get you to move yeah, where you're supposed to be and it's yeah so. Mm. Philip, in the workplace or anywhere, what do you think holds people back from seeking forgiveness? <laughs> pride. <laughs> pride, yeah. Pride. Yeah, it's, it's pride. You know, God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. It's, it's in the Bible at least three times, and James, Peter, and they're, I think they're both quoting something from Isaiah. Wow. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's about me, you know. Um, I think it's a Francis Chan that had a book, uh, I can't remember the title of it now, but it said, uh, stories are not about you, mm-hmm. you know. And he said, "Imagine uh, inviting someone to your world premiere movie, and you only have two fifths of a second in it as an extra, way off to the side. It's not really. We're not center of the universe. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I think that's, and for leaders, that's hard because you know they're the ones making critical decisions. It, it's you really have to fight against making it all about you as a leader. Yeah, and so how do you help a leader understand, in particular? That, that forgiving and asking to be forgiven is a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. Well, I think it goes back to that uh, walking in humility, those four statements, admitting that uh, you make mistakes. You know, in my, in my parenting, active parenting days, uh, those may be some of the best moments that I had with my children was when I had a bad parenting moment. Mm. And I still remember those. I still play those recordings over in my head. 
but go back and say, I, I missed this. I, I, uh, it wasn't about you. I was angry about something else, took it out on you. Mm. Uh, this, uh, uh assorted storylines there, but ultimately it's, uh, uh, I'm, I am sorry uh, that I did not parent you well in this situation. Mm. So it really circles around humility again, being able to say, man, I blew this. And, but although we're all created in the image of God, we're, uh, it's divine dust, but it's dust we're all made out of. So if I can look at you and see that you're an image bearer of God, but also made out of the same dust and the same mm. divine dust that I'm made out of, it helps. And I was thinking, you know, there's, I, I just imagine if you say you're like this big manager, a big boss or whatever in a leader, how, how difficult it would be to like humble yourself and go, because you, you think, well, I'm a, well now I'm going to be perceived as weak, and now my employees or whoever I'm leading is going to walk all over me. Mm-hmm. And then, so then there's a temptation to kind of like take the emotion out of it. I was thinking, looking at that scripture where Saul is confessing, oh, my bad. You know, I shouldn't have done it. You know, really took it out on you when you were a kid, whatever. Like, it's almost like a, and I need to own that. But the there's something missing in his is not just the going to someone and the act of forgiveness, there's the, the inward side of it. Yeah. It's, it's, what you're getting yeah it's really being vulnerable yeah. at, the, at a heart level. And um, it's hard and it's not natural for us in our brokenness to do that. So it really is a, a, a divine intervention in our lives when we can surrender to that. But it results in more intimacy. You're talking about parenting and mm-hmm. I'm thinking back not that long ago saying to one of our sons, I'm sorry for this, for, just kind of a general thing. And Hey, he was surprised. Uh, he didn't see it the same way I did, yeah, but yeah. the response, and, and it kind of bothered me that he was a little surprised that I was, you know, asking for forgiveness and something, mm-hmm. meaning I hadn't done it enough over the span of his lifetime. Mm. But the, the conversation that followed, it just seemed more authentic, more, you know, intimate than it may otherwise would have been just sitting there at a dinner table. Yeah. It really, it, it really opens up to having authentic, vulnerable conversations yeah easier said than done right much yeah. much but you know as i don't know I, I replay conversations at the end of the day that i had during the day and think well that didn't go right <laughs> you know or I, I was wrong and so you have to go back and same day next day put it on your calendar you got to go back and discuss that with the person that is involved in that story if at all possible. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The interesting thing that probably increases your credibility, your leadership yeah. potential with that person, because they understand that you are human, are humble mm-hmm. and honor and value them. I mean, asking forgiveness shows value of somebody else. Yes, yeah. it does. Yeah. Counterintuitive. Yeah. Yeah. Back to Lewis Meds, our forgiving says that when we forgive, we do three things. We uh, first recognize the humanity of the person who hurt us. And that's what we're talking about now. Yeah. What you said, Greg, you're, you're saying, hey, I'm human, you're human. You give up your so-called right for vengeance, and then you wish them well. Yeah. Uh, for me, in my, story with, in my story with Ron, it was when I could, I, I know that moment, I know the place in my yard where that transaction happened, uh, where I could start praying for him that uh, he'd become a Christ follower, hmm. uh, he and his uh, charge partner. And so to me, that was wishing them well, saying that, hey, I can, I can, I can pray uh, in honesty that God used this to change the lives of the person who turned my life upside down. Wow. 
That's strong. Definitely. Philip, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. Oh, enjoy being with you guys, whether there's a microphone in front of us or not. Yeah. <laughs> Always a good time. <laughs> Always good. And we hope you guys have been have benefited from these conversations about leadership and hopefully the Holy Spirit, you know, we're obviously referencing scripture, but the Holy Spirit will illuminate where you need to apply some of the things we've talked about, forgiveness, courage, you know, leading well, following well, all those things that God has, has done something through these for you. And we will see you back on Monday as we pick back up in our study through first and second Samuel. I'll have a great one and we'll see you then.